American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters Podcast. This is Christopher, and of course, I'm here with Tom. Tom, how you been? I am well. It is that time of year. It's School days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot. The university back in session, is it? The universe, uh, at the time of our recording, I have three days till the university. We always open right after uh, Labor Day, but then there's also my son just went back to school. So either way, it's, uh, it's part of my every day right now. Hopefully it's not too terrible for you. Uh, hope, hope everything goes smoothly. Uh, it's Fingers crossed, so far so good, but it's always amazing what, hey, that worked yesterday, but now class starts in, <laughs> in a few days, and now it doesn't. So, yeah, we're, we're experiencing a lot of fun banging out uh, repairs and fixes just so that we can get off a good school year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember always hearing some of the uh, trials and tribulations from um, from Steve uh you know, former former co-host here on the show who also worked at a university and, you know, prepping the labs and everything and finding out that all the things that don't work when they're supposed to and uh, <laughs> and all the things the professors think, well, you can't do that? <laughs> and you have to go, sure we can. <laughs> yeah, it is often amazing uh, how highly educated folks can sometimes think everything is magic. Yes. <laughs> but we do the best we can to to support our students. Yes. Well, what have you been doing to wind down from uh, preparing the school year? Uh, well, aside from uh, our, our feature film, to which we will discuss, uh, um, lot, lots of little one-off things, trying to get into things like uh, all the stuff that's come out lately, like She-Hulk. I actually found that I enjoy that one rather quite a bit. Uh, Good. Um, need to get into House of Dragon. I'm a, a big Game of Thrones fan, so I'm looking forward to doing that. But uh, I tried something a little outside my norm and was pleasantly surprised. This one's on Peacock. It's, okay. It's called The Resort. I don't know if you've heard of this one. I have not. I've heard very little of anything coming out of Peacock here lately. I was honestly only just recently realized that Peacock was still a thing. <laughs> well, out here in Comcast land, you kind of can't avoid it. <laughs> um, but at any rate, uh, so The Resort is a TV series that came out this year. It's a, it's a Peacock original. Um, it stars uh, Kristen... Uh, Milioshti, I can never say her name correctly. Uh, she would be famously known as the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Okay. 
Um, uh, and she also currently stars in another uh, fun and weird show on HBO called Made for Love. And All then right. her co-star in this is uh, William Jackson Harper, and he is uh, especially well-known for uh, his role on The Good Place, which was uh, also an NBC series uh, for a period of time. But in this, interestingly enough, it has a time travel component to it. Okay. Um, in this, they play a couple that has gone to uh, this resort that the, they're spending their vacation at. It's clear they're having some possibly some marital issues, a little distance in there related to a tragedy in their marriage from years before. And without getting into that, um, they go out on an excursion one day and she crashes an ATV into a tree, falls off the thing and discovers an old phone in the jungle, an old flip phone, cell phone in the jungle. Turns out it belongs to a young man from like 15 years prior. Um, And it becomes them sleuthing to discover what has happened to the young man. Because it turns out he and another girl from the same resort have gone missing. Um, And they went missing just as there was also a hurricane that wiped out the resort that they were out at at the time. And then all of a sudden it becomes this weird story of them trying to discover what happened to them. And you find out that there is ties between them, them, the couple that we're centered around, and this younger couple. And it's possible that there is connection over everything because there is an owner to the original resort who keeps putting people in paintings no matter what time they come from okay 15 years before he ever saw the couple that the show is about they make it into his painting oh gotcha okay yeah so the whole thing becomes this uh series of misdirections and 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 interesting looking uh, into this this mystery it's it's really a lot of fun and i'm like good all right this is not what i was expected when i saw this i just thought it was gonna be all just some goofy comedy kind of thing and it's it's not it's very well layered nice that sounds pretty interesting i'll have to see if i can uh, check that out at some point well fortunately uh at least if as long as you get ads uh you can get peacock for free i believe yeah i believe that uh, thank you I, I was thinking that was the uh the case i thought it was ad supported on the roku channel or something yep so i i recommend trying to give that one a watch you might have fun with that well i that's good i have been trying to watch and trying to get back into some series that i've started watching and then let fall to the wayside a little bit and i've been trying to get back in but nothing current or recent yeah. Uh, and one thing I've just been going to back and re-watching, I don't know why, I think I was just looking for something mindless and something to have on the TV. I started watching old uh, Grand Tours. <laughs> Those are always fun. <laughs> yeah, going back to the first, second season of, of Grand Tour. Went back and got back into uh, the Mod Squad, of all things, again. That is a... Uh, I enjoy the hell out of that series. <laughs> <laughs> you do always like going back to that. Voyagers, I'm still kind of slowly plowing an episode or two at a time, you know. 
that's one I have to get back into a bit too because uh, I was really enjoying that when we watched the ones that we did for the show. Yeah, it keeps being fun. So then um, another one, and again, it's just it's kind of one of these things where I t- I tune in. It's just it's getting late. I I want to go to bed, but I don't want to go to bed just quite yet. You know, so I look for something that's maybe you know not an hour. Mm-hmm. I've got Thundar the Barbarian. <laughs> I dig that stupid cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that in so long. That is a that's a fun one. This was for anyone who doesn't know. This was a series that ran it aired uh, like 1980 and 1981. Uh, it was a Ruby Spears production. Thundar the Barbarian. The year 1994. From out of space comes a runaway planet, hurtling between the Earth and the Moon, unleashing cosmic destruction. Man's civilization is cast in ruin. 2,000 years later, Earth is reborn. A strange new world rises from the old. A world of savagery, super science, and sorcery. But one man bursts his bonds to fight for justice. With his companions, Ufla the Mock and Princess Ariel, he pits his strength, his courage, and his fabulous sun sword against the forces of evil. He is Thundar, the Barbarian. Uh, I think what I kind of dig about it is the fact that, you know, the setting of this thing is always, you know, like, Las Vegas. And so there's all the dilapidated uh, uh, casinos, or they see the the remains of of Hoover Dam, and and, and things like that. And I, I just I dig that kind of stuff. You know, they they're riding along, and there's some giant cruise liner that's laying on its side, and people are living in the smokestacks and things. It's I I don't know. It this is a series where it just to me just begs a modern remake. Hmm. I would really like to see this thing reimagined with today's technology. Maybe even live action. That's what I was going to ask next. So like, would you go animation or would you go live action? I would love to see this as like, like a big budget live action. I think this would be awesome. Almost kind of a, uh, a reinterpretation of a Planet of the Apes kind of thing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen Thundar in a long time. Didn't he have some wacky sword, too? The Sun Sword! <laughs> yeah, that was the Star Wars influence, so he had effectively a lightsaber. That's right, because uh, there were lots of animated series out at the time, and they all loved their swords. Cause oh, absolutely. There was another one, Dark Star, that was... Oh, yep, yep. I remember that he had one half of the sword and like and the, the evil bad, guy had the other yeah, the and the bad guy had the other half. Yes. Oh yeah. Thundar definitely has a lot of star Wars influence. Cause you've got, you know, Thundar. Well, he's like a um, Conan, the barbarian with the lightsaber, but then his best friend is effectively a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. But then his other friend is a sorceress. So, you know, that's where the Star Wars stops. <laughs> Depending on your point of view. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose so. 
uh, yeah, it's just it it's kind of wacky and fun, and you know, it's certainly not anything to be taken looking for any deep stories or or morals or anything like that. But it's just it's just fun. And uh, if I remember correctly, Thundar, uh, he reminds me a little bit of a precursor to He-Man. <laughs> kind of that yeah. look, that blonde uh, bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably yeah, the little unkept long hair. Yeah. Yep, and muscly, but not, not what you'd call necessarily smart. Yeah, no, definitely the, the brains of the uh, of the operation are Ariel, the uh, sorceress, is definitely the brains of the operation. Which interestingly, so was it? It, it, it kind of felt that way in He Man too. <laughs> <laughs> Tila and the sorceress were always the uh, the brainier of the bunch. Right. Yeah, there's a few times where Ukla the mock. Uh, seems a little smarter than Thundar sometimes. <laughs> That's kind of how I remember that series. So, but no, I could see that being a fun watch. Yeah, it's fun. So, like I said, that's just kind of like the last thing of the night. Just uh, I got oh, I got half an hour, forty five minutes before I want to go to bed. Perfect time for Thundar. <laughs> I know I was doing that for a while with Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of reintroducing old yes. <laughs> characters, that wasn't a Thunder's not a Hanna Barbera production. No, no, it is not. It's Ruby Spears, okay. and maybe that's why it kind of stands out for me and and why I like it because it it doesn't feel like the. I mean, Hanna Barbera. A lot of their cartoons were effectively the same show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just different character. You, you had your Scooby Doo. You had your Jabber Jaws. You had your uh, Speed Buggy. Yeah. Uh, you had your um, oh, blanking on the name now. The 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 girls with the cat. But anyway, yeah, it was all the same show, voiced mostly by the same people in a lot of regards. You'd hear Shaggy in like four different. <laughs> <laughs> Casey Kasem was in like four different shows. And, and let's be real. Uh, any time in the 80s, uh, any cartoon you saw, that those voice actors were in every other cartoon you saw. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's what I kind of appreciate about Thundar, is it doesn't fall into that Hanna-Barbera mold. Well, now I kind of want to watch one. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can arrange that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much all I've been... Uh, I haven't watched anything spectacular or anything here lately i've just been kind of revisiting old stuff and uh diving back into stuff i've started and haven't finished so that's it for me well yeah and we had we had that fantastic screener that we uh released earlier and uh and then we have our feature Yep, so let's go ahead and get to that. We will take a break, uh, listen to a promo for another show, and when we get back, we're going to take a look at 1994's Time Cop. wondered how much of that movie you just saw actually happened? 
My name is Dan Lefebvre, and I'm the host of Based on a True Story, the podcast that compares Hollywood with history. On each episode, we'll tackle a different movie or TV show that claims to be based on a true story and separate fact from fiction. So when you're ready to learn how much actually happened, search for Based on a True Story in your favorite podcast app of choice or find it over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Doing, partner? Ex-partner. Let me go, Max. I'm not hurting anybody. Got to take you back. In the year 2004, time travel is a reality. You are charged with violations of TEC code 40.8. Time travel with intent to alter the future. And a crime. It turns out going back in time is a pretty easy way to make money. I think you got yourself a shipment of gold and you're taking a general aid. The genie is already out of the bottle. The technology is there. Now, one man... You ever hear the name Aaron McComb? ...is about to take the ultimate power trip. He's gonna be president. You don't need the press, you don't need endorsements, you don't even need the truth. You need money. But to enforce the laws of time... Are we still together in ten years? Am I dead? One man is determined to stop him. I cannot go back to save her. This scumbag is not going back to steal money. Stay here, Walker. My future, you're dead. <laughs> I think it planned too far ahead. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Ron Silver. Will you get him? Mia Sara. Time Cop, the film, is based on Time Cop. A story created by Mike Richardson, written by Mark Verheiden, and drawn by Ron Randall, and which appeared in Dark Horse Comics. In this film, Jean-Claude Van Damme plays Max Walker, who is a cop who witnesses the death of his wife at the hands of a group of mysterious thugs. Flash forward ten years to the future of 2004, mm -hmm. he's a special forces agent working for a government program regulating time travel. While on a mission to bring back his ex-partner, who was using knowledge of the future to bring in some big money in 1930s New York, he discovers that Senator McComb is a crooked politician in Max's present, and he's using time travel procured money to fund his bid for the presidency. It is a race against time, and with timelines changing around him, it is up to Max to take McComb out before he rewrites history. Along with Jean-Claude Van Damme, we have Ron Silver as Senator McComb, Mia Sarah as Melissa, and Bruce McGill as Batuzak, Van Damme's boss at the TEC. Time something commission? Time... I already forgot what it stands, stands for. Time enforcement? Thank you. Time enforcement commission, I think it was called. Not a film I had watched probably since 1995 or so. This was probably a VHS rental from Blockbuster. I seem to recall that's about how I consume that as well. <laughs> I have to admit, watching this today, not today, but recently, it's a damn fun film. It kind of is. I had a ball. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I can think of all the, the, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies that I could just totally make fun of and all that, but this one was a lot of fun. 
This was apparently his uh, highest grossing film as a lead actor, generally regarded by critics as his best, one of his best films. And of the Jean-Claude Van Damme films that I have seen, I would agree with that. <laughs> yes, so would I. <laughs> I think there is definitely some gratuitous Van Damme in this movie. I think there's a few things in here where he's like, no, no, no. I have to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> there are two things you will always get out of any Jean-Claude Van Damme. He will do the splits in the movie at some yes. point. And he will have his leg extended in a full stand, uh, which is almost a standing split kind of thing, but he will do that in every film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't knock the man if he can do that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, I do not. I, uh... I can't bend over to tie my shoes, you know. <laughs> Uh, no, I will. Uh, I fully acknowledge his athletic prowess. He can do things even some of the best athletes uh, might still have trouble with. So I won't knock him for that, but it, it does become a little unnecessary at times. <laughs> well, I, I just saw that the the the, uh, the splits, but of course in this film he does the splits wearing like the the shortest briefs <laughs> that you could possibly put on a man. Yeah, right. Right after I've watched the film and I'm talking with somebody, I'm like, "You, you we all knew he was. You were getting the split scene. It goes without saying that he ended up doing it in his underwear. But what really kills me about the scene is he's trying to avoid um, a, a taser being fired into a puddle of water, so he's jumping up onto his own kitchen counter. But mm -hmm. He could have just jumped up onto the kitchen counter. It didn't actually require that he do the split <laughs> to do it. Well, I also felt like the uh, the sex scene. We saw a lot more of Van Damme <laughs> than we did of Mia Sarah, <laughs> and we saw plenty of Mia. But I still feel like we saw a little bit more Van Damme. Well, you know, the man's proud of his body, and he's happy to share it with anyone that wants to look. Apparently. <laughs> and well, like I said, you know, he looked good. This was this is prime Van Damme. So good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, these are definitely his prime days and and his prime acting days. Because um what what I found impressive for him, given his, his range and all that, but um he he actually showed a bit when when there was his his younger self versus his older jaded self ver mm -hmm. versus uh, the various occasional changes uh, through through the time traveling portions. Yeah, no, he actually acted. He did. I mean, this film required him to act, and he rose to the challenge. He he. This was the two-sided Rubik's Cube of, <laughs> of acting challenges. There's not a whole lot to it, but... You know, and maybe he was perfect for the role. I mean, he wrote it... I don't know if they kind of wrote it for him or he if he... I mean, this wasn't a part that needed a lot of depth. Well, no, and going back to the writing, I actually didn't know that this made it into, like, a graphic novel, comic book kind of... 
Well, apparently that's where it began. That's where it began. This so. was like a, an anthology series that appeared in Dark Horse Comics, and then it was adapted to the film. That I was not aware of until digging it up for this for the show. No, that that's new information. Now, that's actually kind of cool. And the screenplay, it looks like, was actually co-written by the uh, by Mike Richardson, the uh, the author of the the original stories. The rest of the cast, Mia Sarah, didn't know she was in this. I I haven't seen a whole lot of Mia Sarah stuff. It's kind of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I guess she's done other things. Well, yeah, apparently she's done, she did Time Cop. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I know she's done many of many other things, but is is my Mia Sarah uh, viewing history is very short. <laughs> well, I'm looking through her uh, her filmography while she had she she did do plenty of things, uh, not not as much as uh, some, and uh, I, like I before we even got started, I I had mentioned I remember her as the. Uh, the uh, female lead in the movie Legend. Um, yeah, which I completely forgot that she was in. I knew Tom Cruise was in it, and that's about my my limit of Legend. No, that that one's still kind of a guilty pleasure movie, so I remember her from that, and particularly uh, when Lord Darkness puts her in this very elaborate dress and all that. So, for some reason, I always have a hard time keeping uh, Legend separate from. Um, What's the one with Val Kilmer? Willow? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I have a hard time. I have to like forcibly separate those two in my head, even though I know they're not connected in any way. <laughs> no, because, uh, well, uh, not that we're trying to have a movie about, or a conversation around legend, but uh, I always remember that for Tim Curry, too, because his, uh, yeah, I mean, he was called Darkness, but he was essentially the devil. And gotcha. Possibly one of the most effective looking devils ever put in film. So we'll have to put that on the short list for a future episode. Yes. Yeah, maybe something next year. We'll we'll do some fantasy uh, films, and we'll we'll do Legend, and we'll go ahead and do Willow, and we'll see if I can <laughs> if, see if that <laughs> helps them separate straight. them, or yeah, it'll either either help separate them, or it'll just make it even worse. <laughs> So what'd you think of Time Cop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> we tangented. I think Ron Silver makes a fantastic slimy villain. He does. He was perfect for this. Oh, I, I, I really enjoyed him playing off of himself, too, at times. Uh, he's already supposed to be the ass. He, I mean, he was supposed to be the guy that you were supposed to hate, but... He was even the guy who hated himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like both figuratively and literally. I also would like to point out that they had, he appears, or you know, future him and past him appear in the same scene at the same time mm -hmm. and actually interact, walk around each other. Really ambitious for 1994. It was, and, and they pulled it off, too. I, I mean... mean it didn't it, look bad at all. No, it wasn't bad. I mean, if I, when when I realized what was happening and I saw that they were going to actually do the the walk around, I'm like, I'm looking for the the effect. I'm looking for the cut and that sort of thing. And if you if you really look, yes, you you can spot some digital, well, probably not digital, literally cut and splice kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, you're talking about a time when really, if you had two people in the same room, you were still doing the split screen. Here, let me hand that to you. You know, right? Thank you, <laughs> left and right. Uh, so to actually have them going around each other uh, was pretty impressive. And you're right, they did it really well. I mean, if you really look, you can spot. But otherwise, it it's not bad. It held it held up. In fact, it's one of those things um, we. If you were to put yourself back in a theater in 1994, I doubt you would have seen it at all. No, absolutely Uh, not. Because I'm watching on a 65-inch 4K TV, and I can see it, but you can easily dismiss it as much as you see it. Yes, absolutely. No, no, no. It's probably one of those things where the digital age kind of... uh, ruins it for you a little bit if you were watching this in the theater or on vhs that would have just blown you away how the hell did they do that yeah <laughs> no uh very effective but i i really love the how they uh they did the character uh also while they're doing it like uh, him w- meeting his younger self and and trying to set him on himself on a different path and the fact that he's why wouldn't the younger version of him not know what's going on and look all dumbfounded, but he's acting like he's an idiot for not knowing what's going on. And it's just like, wow, you, you are not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I liked it. Well, and he played his younger self as being more of the more, I won't say naive, but idealistic, uh, you know, young senator, kind of just starting his career. And now he's completely corrupt and power hungry and so he's looking at this younger you know more innocent him with disdain mm-hmm. for not having the the gumption to to achieve what he has well yeah like the the pivotal scene where they first meet uh he's correcting something he perceived as a a mistake he made when he was younger an opportunity mm-hmm. that was missed and at the time he would have no idea that, that he was missing the opportunity that he was. So it's the self-loathing that, that was impressive. There, there was at least a little depth in that. He's like, he has actually garnered resentment through his life. <laughs> he has made this one mistake, which if he did it all over again, he'd still make it because he did. He thought he was an informed person at the time. Yeah, I, yeah it's Kind of you. Know, you look back in your life, and we we've all got those regrets. Mm-hmm. But you know, none of us get the opportunity to go back. And you wonder what if you went back, would you go, hey, hey, don't do this, or would you go, don't be a stupid idiot? <laughs> what? How would you treat your your younger self as you made that regret <laughs> if you were there to try to change it? I know. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think I could rise above a bit. <laughs> yeah, the highlight for me is actually, strangely enough, Bruce McGill. <laughs> Bruce McGill's always a highlight. Uh, he was brilliant. I was so happy to see him. I used to love it when he would pop up in MacGyver. I was those just going to say the same thing. Those were my favorite episodes. Wasn't it, was it Mac? It was Mac. Yeah, the, oh, wait, uh, no. the pilot. MacGyver was Mac. Jack, yes. Jack Dalton. Thank you, Jack Dalton. Loved it when he would pop up in MacGyver. He was just always so much fun. And oh, so finding him here, just as much fun. He kind of had that vibe, the thing that made him 
Jack in MacGyver was what he played in this one. It, it, it's the, it, it's the instant likability and the off-color quips that come from doing that. Like, I, I don't remember being that stupid or stuff, stuff right. like that. <laughs> He's like, if you really were my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, uh, that's exactly where I was going to go. When Van Damme comes back, the timeline's been changed a little bit, and he tries to convince him that, no, we're best friends. Really? <laughs> I don't feel like my best friend would talk to me like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was really expecting, not remembering a thing about this film other than bits and pieces and stuff. Yeah. I'll admit it, I was expecting to find out he was going to be a bad guy. Oh, yeah. Not only is he not bad, he he ends up being a hero. He does end up being a hero, but in possibly one of the worst death scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I I have never seen somebody shot to pieces and still kind of have an aw shucks moment about it. <laughs> Bruce McGill would. <laughs> That's what Jack would do. <laughs> It's just the way that that had gone down when he finally got gunned down. It's kind of like, ah, you got me. <laughs> There's the button. I can save the day. He survives and then has to go to witness protection and starts flying a plane. <laughs> it meets MacGyver. There you go. And and that would satisfy Actually, the going back in time part. He went back in time and then did all. I was just going to say, I think I might, I may have the timeline wrong on this. <laughs> yeah, MacGyver was uh, the 80s, not the 90s. <laughs> oh, my mistake. Good point. <laughs> uh, but since we're talking about this moment and him hitting the button and all that, I really kind of want to touch on the time travel. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever at any point during this film really makes no sense no they've got this crazy like jet car thing strapped to a rail that has to run out a wall um and it's neat the little effect that they do the little bubble kind of thing also actually very impressive for 1994 i thought right but the car passes through the bubble, but only the people come out the other side. And like, right. And then when the people return to the present, they're back in the sled. They're back in the sled, and they got there by just pushing a button on a device that they just happened to have on them, their person. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, and then on top of it, like this. This is a large government agency with endless amounts of funding that has this this elaborate setup so that they can do the time travel. We're never super clear on how the bad guys that are busy torturing time are getting around in time as well. They mention they they mention that there's a prototype out there. Yep. And that's it. It's just it's a single line. Well, how are they doing it? Well, the prototype was never disassembled. Well, that's just in Maryland. That's an easy drive from Washington. That That's it. That predicates the entire thing on there just being one bad guy. That This is an entire police force for, for servicing uh, possible paradoxes in time. But there's only one known other way to get around. So... 
So, yeah, that, it, it starts falling apart a little bit there. Oh, almost immediately. No, like I said, the time travel and how the time travel works, and even in the end of the film, um, this is 1994, I'm not too concerned about spoilers or anything. No, no, I say we but, could talk freely. <laughs> Walker goes back and, and saves the day and everything, and then he returns to the present, but he, there should be two of them, because since he went back in time and stopped his wife from getting killed and stopped the, the, the evil senator, there's no reason for him to go back in time. So this movie could have just easily been called Paradox. <laughs> but, but that name, I think, was taken. Not only does the time travel uh, technology make no sense, the actual trying to figure out the timeline itself of the time travel, it makes no sense. Uh, and then we have to get into the uh, the moment where he saves the day by playing to an old time travel trope, the notion yeah. that... Um, Two people from different, the, the same person from different time periods cannot touch one another because the same matter cannot exist in the same place at the same time. Right. And that doesn't have to do with anything that they're doing. <laughs> it builds up to the big conclusion, I guess, the big, you know, the comeuppance for, our, for Macomb. At the end, I mean, it's mentioned a few times throughout the show or throughout the film, and it's all just to build up to, you know, it's like Chekhov's plot device. Um, oh, yeah, you can't. Yeah. You, you Once you say it, you have to do it. <laughs> right. And we got to talk about that a little bit, too. Our hero kind of kills an innocent man in order to kill the uh, villain. Because Macomb, I mean, in 10 years prior, 1994, he's just a senator. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't killed anybody that we know of anyway. Right. He's just, he's, he's just some dumb guy like, you called me. I don't know. You told me to come. I, what's going on? He doesn't know anything. Well, you get, the, you get the idea that, not that I'm trying to forgive this, but you get the idea he, his shady side, uh, well, first off, uh, this is the 90s. Being a senator automatically makes you a shady person. Um, it's 2022, Tom. It's 2022. It only gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now, uh, I mean, I don't get too political, but we did uh, we did elect a cartoon villain not that long ago. So, right. um, yeah, so in, uh, in 1994... You're already bad just by being a, a, a senator, but uh, we were supposed to be seeing those beginnings of shady deals. Uh, that that he's ending the relationship with his buddy because he doesn't believe in him and he just wants the money and all that fun stuff. And so you're supposed to not feel bad about that, but you're not wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> my morality was a. Uh properly in place yes it's still intact yes he uh it, it's that whole uh well it's the whole do, do you kill hitler before hitler does something bad uh, are you bad because you did you do something bad later but but yeah this was an actual it was a fun dumb action movie it was 
I had a you, good time. Yeah, as long as you don't wrap your head around the, oh my God. I, I, th- this one always gets me too, because like, what, what? I, I want a movie entirely about just henchmen. What are their motivations? <laughs> Why do they do the things they do? Because you know, I, you've been hired to be killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're cannon fodder, but good luck with that. Yeah, so I just I want to go back in time and do let's get all the henchmen together and and have a have like a round table discussion. With yeah. <laughs> what what are the perks? You get healthcare, dental? <laughs> yeah. I like really is the money that good? <laughs> I mean, you seem to be on the job all the time. When do you get to enjoy yourself? Right, there's got to be a work-life balance thing here. <laughs> Do you get time off, vacation, anything? Maternity leave? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 seriously, I, I, I need... What, what's your HR plan? So. <laughs> Were you able to find any uh, decent reviews for this one? Oh, decent? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we did find some reviews. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny, but people have a hard time describing how they feel about this. So I found Roger Ebert... Um, from September 16th, 1994, and he gave the movie a whopping two stars. So, you know, his favorite movie ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, pretty high for him, right? Sure. Uh, but uh, in this case, uh, he, he starts out with, more than most movies about time travel, Time Cop invites you to meditate on the logical contradictions of the genre. It begins with the organization of Time enforcement police laboring to prevent the tampering with time. Their job? Stop villains from tampering with the past and producing catastrophic results in the present. But right away, you have some problems. How do you know which present is your baseline? And how can you know it isn't already the result of tampering with the past? Just think, a zealous time cop could change the present by preventing the tampering of with the past. Well, says the movie, the present is defined as now. So, <laughs> so Roger seems a little confused. <laughs> I think he was probably actually really proud of himself for writing he, that up. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm sure he's giggling to himself. <laughs> That is the verbal equivalent of a uh, double knotted shoelace. <laughs> Indeed. So, but I mean, he does kind of hit it on the head. If you start, to, if you really need to wrap your head around the time travel part, that's when this movie goes all wrong. Yeah. No. It, yeah. You can't. You can't know what happened because you won't know it happened. So anyone that went into the past and did anything. No one has any clue that anything it had ever done. Um, but it's nice to think about. Uh, and then I got one here from um, the Baltimore Sun, since that's where I'm at. Uh, Stephen Hunter of the day wrote, Initially an amiable sci-fi thriller that toys with the paradoxes inherent in, the time, in time travel. It finally gets drunk on them. It becomes an incomprehensible stew of version, uh, versions and revisions until there's, n- there's no there there and then then. <laughs> uh, the, the reviewers of this movie just loved going nuts with, 
<laughs> with just the endless loops of nonsense that can come out of this. And it's actually a little surprising, too, because the film does not play with that idea as heavily as some of these reviews would make you believe. There is only a couple instances where he comes back and, like, a different name is on the wall who created the technology. Or, uh, and really, gosh, is he even anything beyond that? Maybe a, a name is, is missed or something? You know, Van Damme knows somebody that someone else doesn't? Uh, there's nothing really major in the uh, timeline that gets changed that they, that they really play with. No, but I mean, they also, I think, uh, miss a few things. Like, uh, there's that huge fight scene in, in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, where, in, I want to call it a warehouse. It's not a warehouse. It's where, uh, the cryogenics lab or whatever. Yeah, it is. The, yeah. the laboratory slash warehouse thing. Oh, it where, was where the, the, uh, yeah, that's where they were manufacturing the chips. Yes, that's yes. where they were manufacturing the chips. But, all of them are all carrying weaponry from what would be the the future. Mm-hmm. They've all been killed. They're all all their weaponry's left behind, and we don't even talk about what might be the repercussions of all of that. Uh, but we let that slide. So there are things that should have happened that had more repercussions, but we kind of let them go. Um, there's even an the very first scene of the film involves. Um, the robbing of a Confederate uh, wagon that had gold on board. With laser-sided uh, automatic weapons, yes. Sure, and while uh, from the 1800s, they wouldn't have had the forensics to unravel what had actually happened to those people, assuming anyone even found them. But, I mean, this is a this is a large shipment of gold going from one place to another. Somebody was going to miss that. And right. there's no way that kind of money in that day didn't have impact. So for it to go missing would have had a ripple. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little one. Yeah, so... Um, but this gets into that whole, uh, that whole thing. Okay, even if it had the ripple, and the ripple passes through time, now wouldn't have any clue that anything had changed then because they wouldn't have known what had changed. Exactly. <laughs> so, from their perspective, there was a shipment of gold during the 1800s. That went missing at some point. That kind of thing happened. No one would know any different. Well, I think they did a pretty nice job of that uh, in the beginning when they're having the big congressional meeting. Yeah. Uh, where they're just saying that they mentioned that, look, uh, the scientist came up with time travel and it works but we think someone's already abused it and they talk about you know a shipment of arms was bought with con- this confederate gold right not that they're saying that they know about the shipment that was stolen or anything like that it's just where the hell did this come from right if if it didn't come from the past right and they I mean, also come up with the idea of like oh no we uh, carbon dated it or something which you can't do with gold and if the gold was brought to the future from the past it would still be you know however old it was right so did they just hide it and then pick it up 100 200 years later or yeah 
and, and I think that's where most of the people who reviewed this movie uh, just <laughs> started to lose their minds because they started thinking about this stuff and their, and their head began to spin and they, they actually forgot to sit there and just have fun. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's actually probably at the point where like they shut the brain off and went, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'll, ju- I'll, just, I'll just watch the fun. Yeah, because I mean, at a certain point, you have to you have to admire the fight scenes. You have to admire uh, the fact that they they are doing a decent job acting out this particular story. Yeah, um, and, and you're getting into uh, like you can get absorbed into um, our hero Max's uh, um, plight as he has lost his the love of his life. Um, and now we're getting an opportunity to get her back. And and that, and that I actually kind of thought they did that effectively. She was not the target of what he wanted to do. She just right. happened to be in the same place as the other stuff that was happening, which is how it all ended up happening in the first place. It, he was just able to change what happened. I think it was pretty well crafted. Uh, the mm-hmm. action scenes are good, like you said. The effects are actually great for yeah. the time. I think they're really good. Um, I think the true purpose of this time travel technology should have been to go back in time and just kick whoever designed the automobiles in the head and tell them not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean the newer automobiles, the 2004 version? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ones the you don't in- actually see out of? Yeah, they're completely enclosed with nothing but cameras and the weird panels. And I'm not sure what they were going for or why they thought in just 10 years' time that's the way the automotive <laughs> industry was going to go. I think we've gotten better with that as time has gone by. And it's really only been a thing in, like, the past, I would even say, 10, 15, maybe 20 years as soon as we crossed 2000, everyone had this perception of what life would be like after the year 2000 that set it so far off in the distance that they, it's like they couldn't conceive what was going to happen. Right. And ever since we've crossed the year 2000, we've pulled it back a bit. The future starts looking a little like it's just a little... A little more polished or a little more refined version of what we already have. <laughs> yes, yeah, they, they, we all realize that uh, the future doesn't look all that much different from the present, <laughs> just because it has a two in front of the year. Right. And, well, and we could have an entire conversation around: is that because we became more realistic, or is it because we've slowed down how we actually advance? Hmm. Because if you pass through the 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 years nineteen hundred to two thousand, a lot changed in that hundred years. But when even when you start dialing it into nineteen ninety to twenty twenty two, we have advances, but everything still looks pretty much like we always knew it. Cell phones are cell phones. Cars are cars, planes are planes. We're not, we're not flying through the air in jetpacks. We're not going to space daily. It isn't. We our overall advances have slowed a little. 
that would be an interesting discussion to have. We got to find like some, an expert of some kind. <laughs> we got to figure out who that expert would be. But that would be an awesome discussion. I would love to have that conversation because uh, I think there's something to that. Uh, there's a reason the year 2000 seemed like we were going to have all of this crazy stuff and it didn't happen. And it's not that we weren't on course for some of it. It was never going to be quite like it was perceived. But then, yeah, we're not we're not getting to the really cool, crazy stuff that we have conceived. We did some of it. We didn't do, but we seem to have stopped. Right. All right. And, well, we'll we'll table that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is something thing. we'll definitely have to look into. I think that'll probably do it for Time Cop as well. Yes. Uh, this was a, a fun movie to revisit and now that I've watched it after all these years I will probably watch it again fairly soon just because it's that kind of movie where it's just oh let's just stick it in and just have a good time for an hour and a half yeah it, it, it's great background stuff uh, watch the occasional scene that comes oh I remember that that was cool yeah exactly so that'll do it for this episode uh, your thoughts on your thoughts on time travel, your thoughts on technology as how it's perceived in the time travel films, and your thoughts on Time Cop are all welcome. Please send an uh, email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com or come on to any of the socials and message us there. We'd really love to hear from you. Next time, we are going to jump forward in time a bit in films to 2021 and watch the Chris Pratt film The Tomorrow War an Amazon original so again if you have any thoughts on, on that film timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com until then thank you very much for listening bye see ya